you. Well, I want to tell you it's a short flight across uh, to the United States when you're coming with passion to see friends. I mean that with all my heart. Uh, where's Alan? <laughs> Alan, did you get married today? <laughs> Just checking. If you weren't here this morning, you'll have to ask someone else. Amen. Uh, may I say, uh, I always, really always, enjoy preaching with Brother Shemesh. And I mean that. Whether I'm sitting in the congregation, moderating a meeting, or get to preach before him or after him, it's just comfortable to me. And I don't know if that means anything to you, but friendships are that way. And whether I'm moderating at our church, uh, and he's speaking, or I'm preaching somewhere in the meeting with him, before, after, not even the same night, I am just comfortable being around him, and I know I'm going to get something. And I know it's going to take a while to think about it. And I like that. So I appreciate that. Thank you so much. Take your Bible tonight, a brief message, Exodus 33. Exodus 33, please. Exodus 33. And then, uh, if you would, 1 Samuel 16, Exodus 33, 1 Samuel 16, we're going to come towards the middle of our Bible, not a lot of scriptures tonight, just a couple, Exodus 33, 1 Samuel 16, uh, may I say to the churches, you're turning there, your hospitality and friendship to me and care for me has been over, over the word exceptional, above the word exceptional, and I just appreciate it so very, very much. I, I, uh, I like it uh, when I'm busy. But then uh, I got to tell you, I like you letting me alone between 3 and 5 so I can sleep again. You say, how much sleep do you get while you get here? It doesn't matter, but I know this, that 3 to 5 o'clock, if I can just mellow out and just sleep, my problem is 5.05, 5.10, push the alarm, snooze, 5.15. 520. Oh, I better get up. They're coming for me. Amen. Then I need to resurrect. So anyways, uh, praise the Lord for that. It's all good. Exodus 33. Thank you so much. 1 Samuel 16. Look at Exodus 33. This will introduce the thought tonight. Exodus 33. Look at verse 13. Verse number 13. And now, therefore, I pray thee. This is Moses and the Lord. You'll see in verse number 11 that the Lord speaks to Moses face to face as a man speaketh unto his friend, and that is something to meditate on. Amen? And may I say to you, just like he was speaking to Moses face to face, not too far away, in verse 11, was Joshua, the future pastor, and he was learning some things. He got to, as a young man, he departed not out of the tabernacle. What a thing for the future pastor to be in and around the tabernacle while God was speaking to Moses and just being around that a little bit, being close to the glory. Maybe in the shadow, or not the shadow, but in the fringe of the glory, if you would. Look at verse 13. Now, therefore, I pray thee, if I found grace in thy sight, show me, Moses says, now thy way, that I may know thee, that I might find grace in thy sight, and consider that this nation is thy people. He said, my presence shall go with thee, and I will give thee rest. And he said unto him, If thy presence go not with me, carry us not up hence. 
Lord, if your presence is going, not going to be with us, we don't want to go any farther. We, we don't want to try to accomplish anything. And our, our thought for tomorrow, even tonight, our thought for tomorrow as you head into your week ought to be, Lord, thy presence with me. Whatever it is in your home, in your business, in your schooling, in your college, in your career, in your ministries, Lord, thy presence. Lord, the, the verse says, if thy presence go not with me, carry us not up hence. We don't want to go alone without you. We know who we are. We know what we're able to do without you. We understand nothing can be accomplished without you. Thy presence with us. Now, I want you to see 1 Samuel 16. 1 Samuel 16. First of all, thy presence with thee. The presence of the Lord is depicted in different ways in the Bible. 1 Samuel chapter 16, thy presence go with thee, thy presence. In the, in the New Testament, it would be called abide. Abide in me and I in you. Uh, in the Old Testament again, look at 1 Samuel 16, and here is thy presence. Look at verse 13. 1 Samuel 16, verse 13. Then Samuel took uh, the horn of oil and anointed him. He anointed David. Remember the the. The, the last one, the one that wasn't there. Go fetch me, David. And Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brethren. Watch. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So here's another way of depicting his presence. Moses said, thy presence. In this one, the Spirit of the Lord came upon, now stay with me, the Spirit of the Lord came upon David how long? Say it. From that day forward. Come on, talk to me a little bit. The Spirit of the Lord, it says, came upon him, came upon David. How long? Say it. From that day forward. One more time, say it. From that day forward. So with that in mind, look at Psalms 13. The Spirit of the Lord came upon David. How often? How long? From that day forward. Look at Psalms 113. I'm not. Psalms 13. I'm sorry, I'm all excited tonight. Psalms 13. I had too much sleep. Psalms 13. Psalms 13. Now again, talk with me just a little bit. The Spirit of the Lord came upon David, say it, from that day forward. So God's presence was with him from that day forward. But look at Psalms 13, verse 1. How long wilt thou forget me, O Lord? Now wait a minute, what are you saying? The Spirit of the Lord came, came upon David how often? From that day forward. Here's David saying, How long will thou forget me, O Lord? Forever? I thought the Spirit of the Lord came upon him from that day forward. May I say to you, even the Spirit of the Lord comes upon us or comes in us, sometimes we feel a little estranged from him. Sometimes we feel like he's a long ways off. How long wilt thou forget me, O Lord, forever? How long will thy hide thy face from me? How long shall I take counsel in my soul, watch, having sorrow in my heart, how often? Daily. Do you know it's possible to have the Spirit of the Lord come upon thee, say it, from that day forward, and still have a day or two or three or five of sorrow in your heart? And when that sorrow comes, it seems like he's distant. 
Because when the Spirit of the Lord comes upon us, there's joy. I don't know if you remember when you got saved. I still do. Now, now some of you got saved as a young child. God bless you. I wish I would have got saved as a young child. That would have stayed, saved me from, from stupid things that I did. But may I say, for those who got saved a little bit later, I still remember the night, the place that I got saved, the burden that was lifted, Paris Island, South Carolina, up in the barracks one night in a little office in the barracks. I still remember when I got saved. I still remember the, 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 the burden lifting. I still remember driving home that night. It was about, uh, it was about 11 o'clock at night. Getting up, I got up at 4 o'clock the next morning because uh, Marine Corps officer, Paris Island, South Carolina, series commander, needed to be up with the troops. So I got up about 4 o'clock. By 4.20, I was on the road, and I usually, uh, on my drive, watched the sun come up. Heading into the base. Please listen. I saw the sun come up for the first time that morning. What do you mean? I saw it through the eyes of a saved man. And it was different. Oh, I'd seen the sun come up many times. Rising over the, glancing over at it. But that morning I was a saved man. And I saw that sun come up and now I knew the creator of that sun. And I'm not just doing that like poetically. That sun looked different to me that morning because the Holy Spirit of God was now inside of me. Come on, are you still with me? I'm not just making that up like poetically, like I read it in some poetry book somewhere. My eyes were different. The scales had come off. Now I thank God and the Creator when that sun come up. And I didn't even know who Job was, Job. <laughs> I'm serious. I hadn't run into Job yet. That's what I thought he was the first time I ran into him. When they said, when they said turn to the book of Job, I said, Job, I, Job, Job. Oh, oh it's Job, Job. Because you don't pronounce, okay, you got the point. <laughs> but there was something about that day the Spirit of the Lord was with me and there was a change. Brethren, when the Spirit of the Lord came on David that day after that anointing oil, something must have happened. It was upon him. The reason it was upon him and not yet in him was Jesus Christ was not yet glorified. Come on, is that right, John? So the idea was upon him, but there was a difference in him. Yet we read in the book of Psalms, even though the Spirit of the Lord came upon him, say it, from that day forward... May I say, in the book of Psalms, verse chapter 13, 1, how long will I forget? seems like the Lord was distant. How long will thou forget me, O Lord? Forever? Uh, why? Because he had sorrow in his heart daily. Why? Verse 2. Verse 2. How long shall I take countenance in my counsel in my soul, having sorrow in my heart daily? How long shall mine enemy be exalted over me? Something was oppressing him. Something was oppressing him. With that in mind, look at Psalms 22. We're halfway through the message. Psalms 22. I just say that. It's not really true. It's true. Psalms 22. Stay with me. Psalms 22. Watch it now. Last, last little phrase on this. Remember, the Spirit of the Lord came upon him from that day forward. Look at Psalms 22. Verse 1. My God, my God, 
Why hast thou forsaken me? Do you see a little sadness in that? A little sorrow in that? Why art thou so far from helping me? Like, where are you at? And thy words of, and from the words of my roaring, oh my God, I cry in the daytime, but thou hearest not. In the night seizes, am not, and end, am not silent. Hey, wait a minute, wait a minute. The Spirit of the Lord came upon David how often? From that day forward. Yet there was a time where David felt, where are you, God? May I statement this to you? Most of us have experienced the silence of God. And he has a right to be silent when he wants to be silent. And it's not always because we've done something wrong. It can be because we've gone away from the Lord, but it's not always because we've gone away from the Lord. I want to say that again. When God is silent, we automatically think, what did we do wrong? What did Job do wrong? I'm going to ask you again. What did Job do? do wrong. If you know the scriptures, he said to Satan, you move me against Job without a cause. So what did Job do wrong? And may I say, Job went through silence. It was silent. You start reading Job, get past Job 1, Job 2, you venture into Job 3, and you'll see God was silent with Job. You ever have the silence time? You mean like quietness? No, like God, I'm speaking to you, but I'm getting nothing back. I'm not getting a whole lot out of the scriptures. By the way, if you get into one of these periods of time, please listen, even the preaching, everybody else is saying amen, and you're kind of going, I'm not getting anything. Come on. Like somebody else is saying, oh, that's, oh, boy, wasn't that a wonderful message? You'll go, yeah, but the truth of the matter, like it's a silent time, you're not getting anything. It's not, it's not resonating. Do you know what I'm talking about? I want to tell you, it's one, I want to tell you, as a church member, when you're not getting anything, that's one thing. Think about those of us when we're not getting anything and we have to get up here and preach. What do you mean? You'll go through a period of time where you're not getting anything and you've got to stand up and preach. And you're saying, I have nothing. Have you ever been there yet, preacher? I have nothing. One of the, one of the uh, initiations or one of the passages that you have to go through as a pastor or preacher is to get up and preach when you have nothing. I'm serious. Everybody's got to go through it, and some of us more than not. How can you get up and preach when you have nothing? I know. Of course, you get up and you do the best you can with what you have, and here's what you do. You rely on the book. You rely on, you rely on these words, having something for the congregation. Look at Psalms 22 again. Stay with me. You're almost there. Verse 2, oh my God, I cry in the daytime, but thou hearest not. And in the night season and not silent. Look at verse 11. Be not far from me. For trouble is near. There is none to help. Notice, be not far from me. Verse number 19, look at it again. 
but be not far from me, O Lord. What's that? That's, that's that man who has the Spirit on him from that day forward. Be not far from me. Be not thou far from me. Let me, uh, let me uh, do something tonight. I, I don't hardly ever mention this little situation that happened in my life. Uh, but tonight I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you an illustration. Because uh, just like Pastor Shemish said, sometimes we learn something from something we went through. And it's not just for us, it's for somebody else. So sometimes we have to relate our experience to the Word of God and then we try to give it to someone else and it's just something that we understand. In 1980, 1980, I'll let you calculate how long ago that was, 1980, uh, I got on a sailboat with another man, which I've spoken about before. Uh, we sailed out of San Diego, turned left, went past Cabo San Lucas, the Baja, went past the Panama Canal and that sailboat, the two of us. I went down to Ecuador. We pulled into Ecuador for resupply. So we resupplied the little boat with a little gasoline that we needed, some fresh water, some different things, because we were getting ready to head out from the continent now, and we were getting ready to head for the Galapagos. And so we sailed from Ecuador to the Galapagos, and then we sailed from the Galapagos to Tahiti. If you don't know the distances, uh, I'll, I'll just say Ecuador to uh, Tahiti, about 5,000 miles, something like that, whatever that is in, in your terminology. It's a long ways, especially when you're only doing 100 miles a day. That's, uh, that's many months. But we went near the equator. That's how the crossing went. We had to go Ecuador. If you look on your map where the equator is, where the Galapagos is, and then down where Tahiti is, you go up near the equator and follow along the equator a little bit, uh, close enough to it, if you would, not on the equator. Please, don't look on your map and say he lied. Not on the equator, but listen to me. Five degrees north of the equator and five degrees south of the equator has a name they call it. They call it the doldrums. The doldrums. Have you ever heard of the doldrums? Have you ever heard uh, uh, someone say something about the doldrums? It's five degrees north of the equator and five degrees south of the equator and there's a calmness there that's eerie. It's called the doldrums, especially for those of us who were sailing. What, is that, what does that mean? Well, we got into the doldrums. It was at the period of time. It was in, oh, I'm going to say, let's see, we took off in March, so this must have been uh, about May or June now. May or June. We were in the doldrums, probably May, the month of May. And the doldrums, listen to me, you're out way away from land, and when you hit the doldrums, listen to me, there's no wind. None. Listen to me. None. And for a sailboat, that's a bad day. Listen to what I'm saying. Here's what the doldrums were like. The sail's up. The jib is up. It's rising as high. It's, it's, it's there. And please look up here. 
it's going like this. Flop. Flop. What? The sail. Flop. There's no wind. Flop. Why you keep doing it? It's how you remember the message. Flop. Flop. And I mean, you'd look up and it would just flop. Flop. No wind. I mean, you could have the sail in the middle, out to the side, off to the side. Swing that boom around. Flop. 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 And no motion. You're drifting. There's no ripple along the side of the boat. No ripple. Go out to the bow and look. No ripple. Look over the stern. No tail. Do you understand? You ever been in a boat that's moving? There's a, there's a little tail back there of, of where the water's been stirred. There's no tail. There's no ripple. There's no wind. What do you do? You just sit there. Look at each other. Get tired of each other. Don't know what to say. Uh, it improves your patience. There's no wind. There's no motion. Please look up here. The boat, the boat begins to spin around slowly. Why? The rudder doesn't work. Spin that wheel. Spin it back the other way. What happens? Nothing. Well, couldn't you have gone this way and got it going? Come on. This is a 10-ton boat. It's got, it's got eight, eight, uh, seven tons of, of lead in the bottom as, as ballast to counter the sail when it's working right, when you're leaning over. Now we're out there. Look up here. You say it. Flop. Flop. Wind to a sailboat is like the presence of God to a Christian. When you're in the presence of a God, it's not flop. It's, he's speaking to me. There's momentum. Please look up here. There's direction. There's guidance. There's accomplishments. Please look up here. There's hope. But you may go through the doldrums as a Christian. Listen to me. When, where are you, God? Why aren't you speaking to me? And you know what we always say? What did we do wrong? Where did I leave you? Why are you grieved with me? Please show me, I want to get right. And sometimes he's still silent. Because you go through doldrums. Why would that be? Listen up here. Flop. No ripple. Can I give you the definition of doldrums in the, in the dictionary? This is in a modern dictionary. A state of no activity or no improvement. A period of time of no improvement. It would be stagnation. It also says this, a period of time of sadness and depression. The doldrums. If you look it up in your dictionary, I looked it up. Here's what it says. The state or a period of time of no activity, no improvement, sadness or depression or lack of hope. 
You ever been through that? Do you know anybody going through that? Here's how they feel. Flop. 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 Drifting. No direction. Look, I watched one day. We were out there. You're in the middle of nowhere. There's no ships, no boats. You're away from land. You don't even see a bird out there. Too far out, too far away from the, from the continental shore. You see the continent comes down and there's still fish right there. And so you see the birds along the coast. You get hundreds and thousands of miles out, there's no continental shelf. So a lot less birds, marine life. Oh, there must have been great out there. No, flop, flop, dead calm, eerie dead calm. At night, dead, calm, warm, very warm. Get up at night, look up, flop, flop. Or it just stays on one side and sits there, but no wind, flop. The jib, just, just jibbing, nothing. Just hanging there, dead calm, eerie. What do you do? Wait. I watched one day, please watch, the compass. You have a compass, and I watched the compass one day. The boat just slowly went like this, no direction. Just like this, no ripple. Rudder didn't work. No, no tailing out the back. Uh, John, we're going backwards with the way we want to go. Huh? John was the guy on the boat. I said, John, we're going 180 degrees the wrong direction. He said, Doug, there's a little bit of current you just don't know. Because you can drift in that and slowly get to where you're going to go because there's an underlying current that you don't know is there. Huh? You can drift from Ecuador to the Galapagos. You just don't know the current's there. You can't feel it. You can't see it. We just spun around. A state of sadness, grief, depression, no activity, no improvement, and please listen, no voice of God. You read your Bible, look up here, you read your Bible, I'm going to stand on your chair just a minute because some of you are tired. You read your Bible and you're just not getting anything. You're looking at the pages and you wish there were pictures in there. You ever read your Bible and got nothing? Am I the only one? Have you ever read your Bible? I read and I'm just scratching through the pages, but I'm not getting anything. I'm even reading things I know, and I'm not getting anything. You ever been there? Please look up here. Flop. Flop. If I do that enough, you're going to fall asleep. Look at the thing, look at the thing, look at the thing. I'll hypnotize you, amen? <laughs> you say, why are you drawing this out a little bit? Because... David said, why are you so far from me? 
but the Spirit of God came on him from that day forward. When you're in the doldrums or a, or a position in, the, in, your script, in, your, in your own spiritual walk like that, please look up here, and you kind of feel you're just drifting, it's not a good time to make major decisions. If you can hold off, don't make major decisions. Why? You might just be slowly just spinning around and then back this way. And it's hard to know direction because you don't have momentum. Listen, the rudder's not working. Spin that rudder all you want. It's, it's pointed this way. doesn't matter. There's no momentum. You got to wait it out. Why would God, why would God do that? Oh, I remember one of the mornings when I got up and there was a billow. You ever hear about the billows rolling? We, we sing song about the billow. Do you know what a billow is? It's a puff of air, a little bit of wind. Are you still with me? Don't you sing the song about billows? I want to tell you, when you haven't had wind in a while, and your sail is like out, and it's catching a little bit of wind, how do you know? You look off the stern, and there's just a little trail. Whoa, what a good day. A little trail, like a little swirl. You go up to the bow, and you look, and there's a little ripple up there on the bow. Ooh, we're moving. Just a little. But a little means a lot when you haven't been moving for a while. When God gives you something that you haven't received much for a while and finally in the Bible God gives you something, there's a little billow, there's a little, let me give you something. Or a little something happens to you that somebody does for you. A little something that God gives you when, when someone comes up and gives you something and they don't know what they just gave you was a little desire of your heart. And you knew it came from God. Come on, you know what I'm talking about? I'm talking about something little, something small that they didn't know that they did or said to you or, or did for you or that little text that comes through, that little encouragement, that little gift, that little, uh, I don't know what, just, just something that you knew came from God. And the sail billows out a little bit and you see a little ripple in the water. Oh, that's, that's, I mean, brother, I want to tell you, when you've been leaning over, when that, when, that, when, that, when that sailboat's been leaning over, and sometimes we complain about, man, I'm just tired of the lean. What? When you've been leaning for 30 days, you can complain about the momentum. But you remember the doldrums. Boy, I'm busy. Man, I'm busy. I'm probably too busy. And God says, I can take care of that. I can bring you back into the doldrums. You ever complain about being too busy? There's too much going on at church? Man, we do this, we do that. I want to say to you, praise God the boat here is leaning a little bit. Praise God you got some momentum. Because what you don't want to be is a stagnated church. What does a stagnated church do? You look at the other guy on the boat and start thinking about things about him. You see things that you haven't seen before. You think negative thoughts about him. Why? Because we're going nowhere. 
You get at each other a little bit. Why? You have time to analyze each other more. Why? Because we're not worried about handling the boat. We're looking at each other now. Flop. Flop. You start seeing things in your spouse that you didn't see before in a negative way. When you're busy, you don't see them. Why? There's momentum. While there's momentum, we just overlook things. Are you still with me or not? Did I lose you? Momentum is a wonderful thing. The doldrums are a little tough because you're not seeing improvement. You're stagnating. You're not, you're, that, 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 that sorrow starts to overwhelm you because that's all you can see is a sorrow. And things start to look negative because that's what sadness sometimes and depression does. Depression puts you in a place where you can only see negative. You mean about other people? Uh, I've, I've worked with a lot of people in depression, and I've been in depression for a long period of time. And may I say to you, it depends on the type of depression. Some people look at others, but some of us, my style of depression is I condemn myself. I don't condemn others. Some depressed people, they condemn others. They blame others. For my kind of depression, I blame self. So I have a condemning heart. Are you still with me? So my, my doldrums are on me, on me, on me, on me, putting me down. My style of depression is not so much analyzing others. It's this terrible self-examination that all I can see is everything I've done wrong and how I've messed people's lives up as a result of that. That's my style of depression. I'm not saying that's everybody's, but that's, that's, that's the condemning heart. If you're in that condemning heart club, then you know what I'm talking about. But praise the Lord, the doldrums don't stay forever. Praise the Lord that there's a little bit of wind and there's a little bit of momentum and the rudder starts working again, and you get a little accomplishment going on again. But I want to say, after you've been through the doldrums, you're a little different. I don't know about someone else, but when I went, I've been through the, the doldrums on a boat, but I've been through the doldrums in life, too. And I'm not saying like that like a proud thing. I'm saying that like a, it, it, it might come. And what the, what the no improvement time, the, the slowness, the whatever it is, the I mine is a lot of tears. I cry a lot. I just cry a lot when I get into that 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 state. I just cry a lot. Inside, you may not see the tears during the day, but inside I'm weeping. It's just it's just there. Oh God, where's the joy? For me, it's, it's slowed me down a little bit. What do you mean? I'm not as fast-paced. I can still get a lot done, but I'm a little bit more observant. I don't know what it is. It's just you, you slow down a little bit, and, and when hurt walks by, when doldrums walk by, you notice it. When somebody else in the doldrums walks by, I want to tell you, you can sometimes see it in their eyes. Well, how can you see it in their eyes? I know. 
but sometimes as you're talking with them, you can just kind of see it. The, the eye is the window of the body. Come on. And I'm not saying everybody that cries is in the doldrums. But sometimes you can just see that. What is it? It's a glassy stare. It's just a glassy stare. How do you know that? Because when you're in the doldrums, you just sit and stare. Huh? Yeah, you teenagers are going, man, what is this guy talking about? Sitting and staring. I can't wait to get my Facebook page, you know. And I, I, get, I get it. But, but if you ever hit this, even as teenagers can hit a little bit, it's a sit and stare time. But you're awake, but you're thinking negative while you're staring. It's got you. You stare and you, you get glassy-eyed and you're thinking. But you're not thinking you're like you're thinking, where's God? I want to tell you, when he speaks to you even a little bit, it's like a billow. It's like a puff of wind. It's like the boat leans over a little bit. It's like there's a little momentum. And then he speaks to you again. Even during a message, he speaks to you. Wow, what a wonderful thing. God's talking to me again. I heard something. Not flop. Flop. I got something out of that. I'm going to go use it. I'm going to go apply it. Don't take for granted what we get from preaching and teaching and our Bible reading. Don't take that for granted. Please. Now for me, I, I have a little psalm I go to. Look at Psalm 61. We're done. Last one. Psalm 61. Psalm 61. Doldrums, a state or period of sadness, uh, something, if you would, that uh, is, it, has a, it has a purpose to it. There's no activity during that. There's no improvement, which means we appreciate improvement a little bit more when it comes. Psalm 61. And again, I wanted to say to you, be careful about big decisions. But, you know, it's interesting that uh, even though the Spirit of the Lord was upon David, from that day forward, he still had times where he said, God, you're far from me. And uh, tonight, I, I want to know this, if, if you're in the doldrums just a little bit, or been there recently, or visited, or just felt that period of no improvement spiritually, no stagnation, I want to tell you this, let me give you hope. You will come out. God will bring you out again. You say, how do you know? Because the pattern is in the book. The pattern's not my life. The pattern's not lives that I've seen. The pattern's not lives that I've seen out there. The pattern is in the book. And there are prophets, as Pastor said, that went through doldrums. It's true. Negative thoughts. I, even I only, am left. That kind of stuff. Asking God that if He would just kill them, that would be their solution. Moses one day. Come on, is that right? It's in there. Job. Oh, why was I ever born? Job chapter 3. Doldrums. What was Job's doldrums? Great, great grief. His children all died. All his businesses went bankrupt. Stolen away by the enemy. Even his wife wasn't supportive. Come on, is that right? It's a bad day. It's a bad month. It's a bad... And we don't know 
Please listen. We don't know how long he went through that because there's no time frames in the book of Job. It was one day they showed up, Satan, and it says another day, but it doesn't say the time frames. It doesn't say a week, a month, three years. We don't know how long he went through this. Psalm 62 is wonderful because the, the Bible has a way to bring us back out through His Scriptures when God speaks to us again. Look at Psalm 61. I said 62. I keep saying 62. Psalm 61. Although I've got to tell you, Psalm 62 is good too. Psalm 63 is even better. 64, I'm just saying. Psalm 61. Look what it says, verse 1. Hear my cry, O God. Attend unto my what? So Psalm 61 is a prayer from the end of the earth. Will I cry unto thee? When my heart is what? Say it. Overwhelmed. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. For thou hast been a shelter for me and a strong tower from the enemy. I want to stop there because I'm going to show you a little video. I don't show videos very often, but I, I want to show you a little video uh, at our church. Uh, some of our, our Spanish teenagers, some of them sing in a little singing group, and they put, this is a scriptural song, and I'm going to show you that video, and we're going to end with that tonight, and then pastor's going to come. And uh, here's the way the song goes, verse 2. Uh, From the end of the earth will I cry unto thee. The chorus is, when my heart is overwhelmed. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. And the chorus is, when my heart is overwhelmed. For thou hast been a shelter for me. And the chorus is, when my heart is overwhelmed. And a strong tower from the enemy, when my heart is overwhelmed. We're going to show that in just a moment. And the, the reason this is important to me is... Uh, Oftentimes, when I get sorrow and grief begin to fill my heart and it begins to sadden me and slow me down, uh, I'll sometimes think of this song, and if I can't remember it, it's on video so I can pull it up and hear it again. And remember that night that they sang this, I needed this. They sang it at our leadership conference. And that night, nobody knew I was on the platform moderating. You know, moderating. Like, telling everybody the good stuff and introducing speakers. And, but in my heart, it was overwhelmed. And when they began to sing this, God spoke to me. And when God speaks to you, it's a wonderful thing. So again, uh, in just a moment, we're going to show the video. Are you guys ready for that back there in just a moment? So here's the situation. I want you to see this. The chorus is, when my heart is overwhelmed. So I'm going to read the, the, the first verse, and then you, you do this. You just say, when my heart is overwhelmed. From the end of the earth will I cry unto thee. Your turn. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. Your turn. For thou hast been a shelter. For me, and a strong tower from the enemy. So we're going to put this on, and pastor's going to come. Let me introduce it this way. This is at Leadership Conference. We've just finished one segment. 
Uh, there's someone who stands up to introduce the next people that are coming out. Uh, his name is Ricky. Ricky stands up to uh, introduce the next people that are coming out. And, and he tells them uh, the leader of this uh, particular group of teenagers is uh, a guy named Caleb Black. And Caleb came from Montana, and Caleb didn't know any Spanish at all. But he came to our church. I know his dad, uh, Pastor Kent Black. And Caleb came to our church. I knew Caleb when he was 13, 14, 15, 16. And Caleb came to our church out of Montana, and he came for basically one reason, to become a missionary to the Hispanic people. But he didn't know any Spanish. So he began learning Spanish. And he learned it in such a rapid rate that they allowed him to work with the Spanish teenagers. But what Ricky says, when you hear it, he'll say, uh, and the leader of this ministry stands out like a sore thumb. He said it in a good way. Why? Because he's Anglican, he's not Hispanic. And everybody, when they see him, they know he's not Hispanic. But he's been up there and he's been leading them. And by the way, I'll tell you the end of the story now. You'll see him singing up there with all his heart. Um, he met a Spanish girl. She's bilingual, and uh, just about three weeks ago on a Sunday night, I, the English had just finished their services, and what happens is when the English finish the services, then the Spanish come in and fill the auditorium again. And uh, I was out of my car after the English services, getting ready to go, and there came Caleb walking by with her parents and her, and I said, hey, Caleb, how are you doing? He says, great, Pastor. And then he starts speaking to me in Spanish a little bit because, you know, he's just kind of rubbing it in a little bit. And, uh, and I said, hey, how, how, are you guys still courting? And uh, the parents were right there, and, and they said, yes, Pastor. And I said, have you, have you got a wedding date yet? And he said, it looks like it, Pastor. I said, what do you mean it looks like it? I said, have you proposed yet? And he said, it's coming, Pastor. I said, okay, I won't say anything else. And they're laughing and everything and having a good time. I, I give you that background so when you hear this, it'll mean a little bit more to you. Could you dim the lights or whatever you do and put that on, and then pastor will come afterwards. And thank you for observing this. And would you think of Psalm 61, verse 2 and 3. Go ahead and put that on. 